Um, during the service um, on every campus, um, we had mentioned something that was a very important piece of communication for us as a church family. And that was that our founding pastor and the father of this house, Brother Dick Iverson, had the wonderful privilege of going home to be with Jesus today at 7.40 this morning. And I know for a lot of us, this is a, a grieving moment. For him, he's celebrating having a significant time, something that he's prepared his whole life to go spend eternity with Jesus. And at the first of the week, Brother Dick was doing great. He was on a walk as I talked with Roxy. He was walking over in Central Oregon, and they're walking around just talking about life. Had no idea that there were complications that would come his way. I think that's just to show you just how much the Lord's mercy and grace was upon his beautiful life. And uh, during the middle of the week, he began to have some complications and was hospitalized, and that turned into some complications. And ultimately, on Thursday, he was back in Portland. Uh, they went through and did some tests, some blood tests, to find out that Brother Dick had acute leukemia. Um, he never knew that. Um, but the Lord took him in such a very beautiful, peaceful, graceful way. And on Friday, I had the wonderful privilege of heading over to the hospital, and myself and Howard Rashinsky went and saw Roxy, his beautiful, wonderful wife, along with one of the daughters that was there, Tracy, and got to just celebrate a little bit of time with Brother Dick. It was one of his last moments that he was um, awake and able to talk a little bit. And we prayed together, and we shared some stories and conversations with him. We got to sing his favorite song that we just sung, I Exalt Thee. We thought it would be appropriate to sing that today. I remember Roxy even asking Brother Dick, listen, um, doctor says you're going to go to heaven. Are you ready? He goes, yes. She says, uh, like right now, you're going to go to heaven pretty soon. Are you ready? He goes, yes. Praise the Lord. Isn't that beautiful to live a life that you just, you don't fear? He's just like, yes, I'm ready to go. And that's the way Brother Dick lived his whole life. Um, yesterday, I had the privilege to be with the entire family, and Brother Dick, being a fighter, um, decided to stick around long enough for all of his daughters to show up, all of the son-in-laws to show up. Many of the grandkids showed up. And I had the privilege of being over there for four hours with the family yesterday and just sitting around and talking and crying and singing and laughing and telling stories. And it was a beautiful moment as the family just sat around and just celebrated. And I was just so taken back with this idea of what family really represents walking down the hallway and recognizing that there's rooms where no one's there. And in this room, actually, you had to take a number to get in. There were so many people. And uh, right now, I know that there's some people here that are related to the Iversons, Ginger Iverson and Jenny. And in fact, I just wanted to let you know on all campuses, we have Roxy, we were just texting a moment ago, his beautiful wife, all of the kids, son-in-laws, grandkids, Watching at home on the big screen TV, they went home because they wanted to be a part of this service. And I know this, this, this might sound um, a little bit funny, but would you do me a favor? Would you put your hands together for this beautiful family that's given their life for this house and all that they've done? We love you so much. We are so honored and grateful to be a part. And people standing on every campus, that's awesome. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you all that you've done. We love you so much. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. You know, I'm going to go ahead and uh, send a letter out to the church right after this service. It'll give you a whole lot more of the details uh, in regards to his life and legacy. I think it's going to be a letter that you're going to want to read and pass on to others. This is really a historic moment. And you know, today we were going to start a series. I was really excited about it. It's called Soul 30, and we'll pick that up next week. But I really felt that the Holy Spirit began to stir our hearts. Yesterday, as we begin to think about where Brother Dick was at and what he represented to this church, I thought it would be appropriate for us as a family to push everything aside and do family together Amen. and to just celebrate his life and to talk about all of the things that Brother Dick has meant to this house and to our lives. How many think that that's a good idea? Come on, to just be family and to do that. More than him being just uh, the leader of this house or really a pastor to many, he, he was ultimately a father. 
I think every one of us in this room that would have any relationship with him, you would probably think that you were the most important person in his life. He just had that way to when you talked to him, it was like, it was all about you. It's because he had the heart of a father. As I was thinking about this particular day and just praying through the last couple days, I, I was quickened to a scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15. And Paul writes this to the Corinthians. He says, for though, for though you have countless guides in Christ, he says, you don't have many fathers. He says, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I know one thing for sure. I'm glad that Brother Dick was a father to me and to so many of us. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to have a conversation. And I've, I've asked some of our pastors and leaders that actually served Brother Dick, served Pastor Frank, and have served myself to just come together and to have a family moment on every campus. We're just going to gather together and to share some stories and some principles I know that this particular service, that there's a lot of you, this may be new to you, and maybe this is your first time, or maybe you've come for a few weeks or even a year. We want to just help you understand what you're all about and what this church is, and for you to understand our history and our heritage and why we do what we do and why we are who we are. So I just, I just encourage you to sit back and to celebrate and to just come along with us in this little conversation and this journey. And I do want to let you know, again, Pastor Frank isn't able to be with us. He's in Australia at this time. Wish that he could be here. He's actually watching online as well, as well as many people all over the world. But we've got some great people here. I think some of the greatest men and women on planet Earth. They got Lanny Hubbard over here, I believe, one of the greatest Bible teachers on the planet, and Howard Roshinsky, and Glenda Malman, one of the greatest teachers and prophets of all time, and Ken Malman, they happen to be married together. I'd like to introduce her all by herself because she's worthy of that attention. And also Art Johansson that's been here since Jesus was born. And, uh, you know, guys, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to, to just uh, have a conversation. Um, this was last minute for us. We were really in the 12th hour, 11th hour, 12th hour, probably 23rd hour. Um, we were just having a conversation saying, let's just get together, and however it lands, it lands. We had a beautiful time, first service, and, you know, there's a lot of things that we could talk about when you think about Brother Dick's life and what he represented to literally millions of people, but there's a few things that he was really passionate about. In fact, these things became the cornerstone of his life. We would call them his life messages. And they become really the foundation stones of who you and I are today. If you're part of this family, you do things and think things and behave in a way that maybe you don't even know where it all started. It started with a great man, a legend, a spiritual father and a faithful servant, Brother Dick Iverson. And probably one of his, I would say one of his cornerstone foundation truths was his heart for the house of God. I mean, he was a legend before his time. And Ken, you've been around now for 40 plus years. 43, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Why don't you just share from your heart, just kind of your journey with Brother Dick, things you've learned along the way, and and how that applies to us. Happy to. 47, but who's counting, you know? Yeah. (laughs) At that point, it don't matter, right? It doesn't matter, no. (laughs) Uh, well, uh, first, I just want to thank you, Pastor Mark, for taking this time for us to honor our Father. Yeah. I mean, that's the first commandment with promise in the Bible, honor your Father, and it's so appropriate that we're doing right. this today. Thank you so much for um, creating this opportunity. Uh, his love for the church was legendary. Uh, it really began and was birthed out of a prophetic encounter that he had early in his time of ministry where the Lord just really birthed in him an extraordinary love for the church. Mm-hmm. His uh, heart and eyes had been in, you know, traveling and, and crusade-type ministry before that, but the Lord just really birthed this in him. And of all the hundreds and even thousands of pastors I've met over the last decades, I, I've never met a pastor who loved his flock, his congregation, his church, more than Pastor Iverson. Right. 
it, it was just, uh, and, and so much of what he did, he was, he was a pioneer in so many ways. He was innovative. He was a, kind of a man born ahead of his time. Yeah. Uh, so many things when it comes to local church beliefs and practices and the pattern out of the book of Acts and so, so much yeah, of that. Right. It didn't just come out of wanting to have a big church or a big crowd. It was this very deep, heartfelt love for the people of God, for the flock, for the house of God. He wanted it to be a family. That's why he was known as Brother Dick, which sounds kind of weird these days, you know, but he, it was like, we're all family. We're in this together. We're all a part of each other. He didn't want to be the big spiritual honcho. He really liked it that people didn't call this Dick Iverson's church. He loved that, that it was, it was the flock of God, that Jesus is the, is the great shepherd, and he's the, you know, one of the under shepherds. And and his innovation, I mean, we were the first church in town to be into praise and worship as we know it today, and everybody's doing it today, but way back in the 60s, and, and uh, innovating in a, a lot of ways when it comes to church government, team ministry, uh, church planting, missions efforts. Uh, way back in the 60s when the church is 300, thinking, uh, we're going to start our own Bible college. Well, that, that was virtually unheard of, that a church would even consider having a school to raise up ministers, you know, and yet... He got a word from God and believed that it could happen, and the Lord provided and and uh, planted, you know, started Portland Bible College. Later, the city Christian schools, you know, a church to you know have schools to for the families. I mean, they're just we could yeah. go on and on yeah. with how innovative he was, but it, it it wasn't because he was trying to build some kingdom or be some famous person. It was just like he had this passion and belief that the local church could be everything that Jesus wanted it to be, everything that it was in the New Testament. And if it was in the New Testament, we're gonna try it. You know, if it's in the Bible, we're, we're gonna see if we can do it. And uh, also his faith, uh, you know, was born out of his love for the church. His faith for miraculous kinds of things, building projects, uh, beginning purchasing the old Granada Theater and remodeling it way back in the 60s. And, and then building the building on Gleason Street, you know, and miracle offerings. And he just had this faith, but it, it wasn't because he wanted to build some institution. It was because the family needs a house and we need to have more rooms to have more kids. You know, that was his heart. And the mayor of Portland, you know, told him, we don't want any more churches in town, move out to the county. And he kind of stood up to the mayor Goldsmith and said, we'll see who leaves town. That's so good. And then, uh, President Jimmy Carter tabbed Goldsmith to be the Secretary of Transportation, and he moved to Washington, D.C. And, and uh, we got the max out of that, you know, but, uh, <laughs> but we went on and built that. And then, of course, the property here, you know, Rocky Butte and building the domes, you know, it was just, it was such faith, but it, was, it wasn't um, for accomplishment's sake. It was out of love for the people of God, yeah. for the family of God, that more people could be saved, more people could be That's discipled. Okay. And uh, everything he did, it was about the church. And I, I learned as a, one more thought here, I learned as an er, a leader early on in my journey here, that if you wanted to give a suggestion to him about something to improve in the church, you had to be positive. Because you can't criticize the church. You can't come in and say, Pastor Iverson, we have a problem in this church. It'd be like criticizing his wife, you know, just you wouldn't get right. very far. You know, you, you had to love the house. You had to believe that it was God's people. And, so and then, of course, he spread that around the world in pastor's so conferences good. and all the tapes and books by the tens of thousands that went everywhere, starting MFI. I mean, he was, he was just an amazing man. Yeah. But I think the core of it was because he responded to that prophetic moment and just right. laid down his life loving the house of God more than That's his own so life. You know, Ken, you, you, uh, you made a statement that was uh, pretty profound and that it was always about people. And uh, that's the one thing that I've always picked up from Brother Dick is that it was never about a building. It wasn't about programs. It was about people. That every person mattered to God, therefore they mattered to Him. And we've tried to make that just a part of who we are. And that came from Brother Dick. And, you know, more than just even a pastor or a leader, he, he truly was a father to so many people. And Howard, I, I think about your journey in your life, and we were talking Friday as we were at the hospital, just about him being your spiritual father. Why don't you, why don't you just share some of your thoughts? I, I am one of Brother Dick's spiritual sons, and I'm proud to say that, and along with thousands of spiritual sons and spiritual daughters. That's right. I'd like to think I'm his favorite, but uh, a father. To really understand what it was to have him as a spiritual father, you have to understand the difference between an instructor and father and an instructor teaches and equips you but a father hears you and helps you uh, an instructor imparts a knowledge 
through their responsibility for you, but, but a father imparts wisdom through his relationship with you. And an instructor conveys truth to you, and a, but a father cultivates truth in you. And that is exactly the spirit that he had as a father of this house that's impacted everyone here to touch your life, to make you really believe you are the most important person to him when he was looking at you and talking with you. Nothing else mattered. He, he had your best interest at heart. Yeah. It wasn't his agenda. It was what it was for you. And some of the wisdom nuggets, and I felt a wisdom nugget for you in this place as an example. We had moved from Bellingham to Portland and went on staff as a music pastor. I made a lot of zeros on my check, but it was unfortunately on the wrong side of the decimal point. And we were not able to sell our house in Bellingham. And the pressure was on financially, and we were going upside down. Uh, we were behind on our payments, and the only thing we had besides a car was we had just a few thousand dollars left in that house. It was dwindling, and I came in to Brother Dick and said, I don't know what to do. Here I am, you're a music pastor, and I can't even make a payment, a mortgage on a house, and in Bellingham we can't sell it, and it's just going all upside down. And I remember he said to me, give the house back to the bank. And it was like, you know, this, I didn't have much, but at least there was something there. And the words he said to me are the words for someone here even right now. He said, remember this, you can never give up more than what God will give back to you when you're doing what he wants you to do. That's so good. And that is a father who cares. That's awesome. That's so good, Howard. You know, um, I was just thinking about this whole thought and just his heart for people. And um, Art, I, I, you come to mind. And, uh, you know, I've, been, had, I've had the wonderful privilege of working with you now for 23 years. And I don't know of a more dedicated, faithful, loving servant to the house of God. You, you truly love the flock like no other that I've ever met before. And I, I, I was just thinking, yeah, you can clap for that, come on. And I, uh, you know, I thought, he probably got that from Brother Dick. You know, and you, you started here as a child. So you had your childhood, your elementary years, high school years, adult years. Just talk about his love for, like, the flock and people and how that impacted your life. I, I, how can I speak to that? I had the privilege, a unique privilege, to be able to grow up here. So I was a baby when my parents started coming to the church. So Brother Dick was a... And Sister Edie and all of the daughters were family friends. We weren't just uh, pastor and, and, and church attenders. We were friends. After church on Sunday night, it was common for the Iversons to come over to our house and play games, or we would go to their house for dinner, or in the summer, maybe vacation together, various things. But Brother Dick, he had a way where he would take us young people aside. When I was a little boy, he had me come over to his house to paint his fence. He said, I'll, I'll hire you, I'm maybe 11 years old, I'll hire you for 75 cents an hour, Art. Come and paint my fence. So I did, I went and painted his fence, and I made a mess all over myself, got more stain on me than on the fence, I think. And he said, uh, after the fence was just about done, he says, Art, I'd like to suggest maybe you could work all summer for me, but I can't afford to pay you 75 cents an hour. If you want to work all summer, I'll pay you 50 cents an hour. And I thought about that, and I, I decided I would do that. So I worked an entire summer for him when I was maybe 10, 11 years old. What does that do for a, a, a little boy? The, the 75 cents or 50 cents didn't matter, but I got to work for a friend, a friend of the family, and I got to work for the pastor. And you know what he would do? He would come home. I think often he would come home early so he could play ball with me in the backyard. Hmm. And he did that with me, but I think he did that type of thing with many. Right. He did that with people older than me. He did that with high schoolers. He did that with college-age young people before we had PBC, before we had CCS, because he wanted to build a relationship that built a church. In all of that, just as Howard was saying, he was imparting the heart of a father. Yeah. He didn't, uh, he didn't get angry with me 
when I spilled the paint or stained his driveway or stained the wrong thing. He said, I got more work you could do. Um, when we had work days at church, he didn't get upset when people did something wrong or, or made a mess. In fact, sometimes he thought it was funny that people made mistakes. But in all of it, he was looking for ways, how can I get people to feel like they belong, feel That's like they're so part of this house, so feel like the church is theirs, feel like I care about them. He was being a father. He was being a shepherd. Mm. He was watching out for the flock. I, I treasure those years when I was young, and the Iversons uh, reached out to me. Uh, he was like a second father. I had a good relationship with my father, but Brother Dick, I think, imparted That's more okay. than anybody else outside of my father into my life. And it was just as was talked about. It was by example. That's okay. It was by actions. It was by caring. Mm. It was by not just to me, but I could see him reaching out to other young people. And I could see him reaching out to my peers. One thing that I, I wanted to make mention of is that he was very quick to correct things that were wrong. When somebody was going the wrong way, he didn't allow that to continue, but he stepped right in there. One, one example, I was a youngster, uh, high school, old enough to drive, but not old enough to know much more than that. A friend of mine came up for a softball practice that Brother Dick was the pitcher of our team. And uh, he was out on the mound waiting for us to show up, and my friend and I saw him out there, and we said, hey, let's pretend like we're drunk. And we'll just go out there and see what Brother Dick does. And so we walked out to the mound just pretending like we were really intoxicated. <laughs> I never had a drink in my life, but, but we knew how to act. Brother Dick was the most angry that I've ever seen him. But it was, don't you ever let me see you do that again. Don't you ever let me catch you acting like that. The Bible says, and he always had that. He always had a verse. The right. Bible yes. says... You are to abstain from even the appearance of evil. So don't you ever let me catch you doing that again. And you know what? We never did let him catch us doing that again. <laughs> That's so good. Neither did we want to have an opportunity for him to catch us doing that again. You know, there was something about a father, something about a person who is a man of integrity, who you trust, who you respect, that you don't want to displease that person. And that was our our thought with Pastor Everson. We didn't want to displease him. That's so okay. we wanted to live up to the expectations that he modeled and that he set for us. That's so good. So, so I, I don't I, know what more I could say I, about Brother Well, Dick. I think the lesson of the story is that you should all come work for me for 75 cents an hour. <laughs> I think that's the lesson right there. It's good. And it'll quickly go down to 50. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's good. Oh, that's beautiful. Hey, you know, another thing I think that was a real cornerstone, you know, in this whole area of relationship was uh, Brother Dick was very passionate about family. And I think that it's, if, there's, if there was one cornerstone that the church needs to hear today, that society needs to hear today is how to build a healthy family, healthy marriage, healthy kids. And I know, uh, Glenda, you, you were greatly impacted by Brother Dick in this area, and you have obviously a very model family. Um, why don't you just share a couple thoughts um, that you would have regarding this area? You know, everything that we're talking about today, I hope you're all grabbing onto it. These are the foundation stones of the house. These are the roots of the house that Pastor Mark is so wisely watering uh, afresh. And one of the main foundation stones was Pastor Iverson that he laid in our hearts was love for the family, his family. He loved his beautiful five daughters, uh, Debbie. Sorry, I know. <laughs> Debbie, Diane, Brenda, and Tracy. And then he had a daughter, a twin daughter of Brenda that they lost uh, at birth. And you know, I think Brother Dick he released her to the Lord, but he always missed her. You wouldn't talk to him for very long before you'd hear about Angela. He taught us as young people, Ken and I came here when we were newlyweds, and he taught us how to suffer, how to release disappointments and hurts, and yet how to trust the Lord uh, in difficulty. That's a foundation stone of love for the family that he laid in this house. And uh, he did such a beautiful job loving his girls, making them a part of the house. 
and loving his sons-in-laws and then his grandchildren. He also loved uh, and fulfilled what the scripture says about setting the solitary into family. Right. Everyone needs family. And Brother Dick had, uh, I'm not sure the final number, between 27 and 30-some uh, young adults that came and lived in their home from other nations or from here in America for short seasons, for longer seasons. He loved putting the solitary into the family. Every member of the house uh, is important. And Brother Dick, another foundation stone regarding his love for families in the house was, um, we used to go to church a lot back in the 70s. And we went to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Tuesday night, Thursday night. We went to church a lot. Uh, but he considered the family to be sacred and knew that it would be healthy families that would make a healthy church. And so while we were uh, newlyweds and then a young family, we knew that family was a priority. So he made every Monday night to be family night. It was like a, a family Sabbath. And so every Monday night, there could be no bridal showers, baby shower, showers, small groups, nothing on the church calendar could be scheduled on a Monday night. Not that that in and of itself was sacred, but he knew we wouldn't have a strong church if we didn't have healthy families. Uh, that was how high his priority was uh, on family. And then he taught series on families on Sunday mornings. And one of his uh, founding stones also was the importance uh, and this relates to family, was the importance of youth ministry. He always said, we give our best to the youth. And he, and he always wanted to raise up and, and did raise up strong youth pastors uh, for the house. And he went to every youth camp that there ever was as long as he was pastor because he cared about the family. He cared about the youth of the house. So this was a strong foundation stone mm -hmm. in our church. So if you wonder why, uh, we're, we love you all so much and consider you to be family. This great father of the house placed this root, so root deep within our hearts. That's good. That's awesome. Lenny, how about you? I know that uh, this one area has you know, greatly impacted your life and to the point where you've even taught for decades, not only just in the college, but the church on parenting in those areas and have a fabulous family as well. Why don't you just share some additional thoughts? You know, the Apostle Paul, he wrote half the books in the New Testament. And when you look at all his books, some of them were written to churches, and he knew how to father churches, but some of them were written to individual sons. And Paul had a unique ability to be a father to many, but also specifically be a father to you know certain ones. And I grew up in a church outside of City Bible. Uh, this was not my heritage at all, but Dick adopted me. And I remember the day that he adopted me as one of his sons in the faith, like Ken and like Wendell and so forth. And he took us under his wing and he, he taught us, he corrected us, he adjusted us. And, and he, he guided me personally through Joanne and I, our dating time, he married us. And, and when we started having babies, he'd always ask us, how are those babies? What are they doing? And it's like our kids were his kids. And today all three of ours are in ministry and they all look back to Dick as their spiritual daddy because of the influence he had, even though he wasn't part of our, our family. But that's what he portrayed. We are a family, and we did so much here. Back in the old days, we used to take a whole week every summer and have family camp, and people would take their vacation times, and we'd go as families. Kids would have classes, adults would have classes. Why? Because we are a family, we learn as a family, we celebrate as a family. We did all church teaching in one night because the youth were here and, and Brother Dick said, why not teach the parents and the kids at the same time? Let's do the whole works. You know, it's better than heating up the building four times, let's do it once. You know, and he'd do all this. And we look at Dick and, and I think that in the middle of 70s, I can just remember when he came, he said, you know what, our, our kids are being bombarded in public schools by a lot of ideas. We need to start a Christian school because those are our kids. We have to protect them. We have to keep stuff from coming into their lives. And, and the thing about Dick is this, a value if it was good is worth administrating. It's worth financing. It's worth developing and doing. That's what makes it a priority. That's what makes it a foundation stone. And family was surely one of yeah. them. That's such a great, great comment. Thanks so much, Lanny. I mean, you know, one other thing that I think about as I think about Brother Dick, and this would go way back to the 60s, was the whole area of praise and worship. And uh, as you come into any one of our services, 
Um, there's one thing that we would definitely be known for, and we have CDs all over the world as a result, is that we love the presence of God. We love worship. Come on, how many people love to worship? Come on. Something happens. Something happens when we just surrender ourselves to Him as a family. And back in the 60s, it was a thing that really was quite unpopular. And actually, we were scolded or you know, made fun of, if you will, by a lot of other denominations and churches because we would have been the first that are kind of doing things like raising your hands and clapping and dancing and all of these things. And Howard, you, you were involved for a long time um, in our worship. And you were a worship pastor here for four or five years, five years, I believe. Um, and CCLI and everything that's been your life story came out of this house. But, but maybe go back and talk about that, that root and what it meant to you and to this house and how it applies to us today. Absolutely. For the next five days, I'd like to share yeah. about <laughs> <laughs> the presence of God. It goes back to the 1960s. I was actually at a church in Vancouver, Canada. In the early 1960s, Brother Dick would take his family up to visit our church. And I remember seeing him, jet black hair and the four girls. And, and, uh, but he knew, as, as, as God had called him to pastor, there was something missing that he knew that, that needed to be a life flow for the church. And so he was introduced to my pastor up in Canada, Pastor Reggie Zell, and he saw something that so impacted him and has actually impacted us right. for decades. And he saw in demonstration, Psalm 22, verse 3, you are holy, you who inhabit oh, the on. praises of his people. That's right. And it so impacted him that he saw praise and worship happening with the congregation, offering up thanksgiving to the Lord together. You see, it was not a platform presentation. It was a people participation. So he invited Pastor Lazelle to come back to Portland to just share. And the foundation stone of Scripture, Hebrews 13, 15, by him, therefore, let us offer up the sacrifice of praise, that is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Brother Dick saw something, and, and it just impacted. It, it changed the, the DNA of our house here. It changed your life. It changed the vision, the power of the presence of God, that he saw let the people praise him, let all the people praise him, because when we praise him together, God's presence comes down. Even right now, his presence comes down into this place, even while we're talking even while we're talking, and it so impacted his life and it impacted this house when it was not popular. And through that life flow, we found what a joy and delight it is to be able to offer a sacrifice of praise, which is the lifting of our heart. The Word of God says we lift up our hearts to him, the lifting of our hands to him, that we would uh, acknowledgement and thanksgiving and the lifting of our voice, that we would be audible in our expression, regardless of whether we knew how to sing or not. We did it together, and it was a beautiful sound that permeated uh, the house. And that was yeah. such a delight and joy that has sown into generations and to nations the presence of God. That's so awesome. About the prophetic too. I mean, we, we were talking about that earlier too, is just kind of this idea of what the prophetic meant, to be able to really understand that God still speaks to his people. And uh, Glenda, obviously this would be one of your big gift areas and passions. And why don't you just talk a little bit about that too, about the prophetic and what that represents to, to us as a family. This was so huge with Brother Dick. When I first came to this church, when we came to this church, I didn't know you could hear the voice of God. I'd never heard of, heard of that, and I was newly filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, when we came here, and Ken and I first went to a, a prayer service before the service, wow, I was so blown away. And I'm so grateful that Pastor Mark is watering those roots once again. I would say that two-thirds to three-quarters of the church was in that pre-service prayer service. And there's, there's no hearing of the voice of God if there's not prayer, right? Because prayer is talking to God and, and hearing from Him. And so that prayer service was uh, absolutely foundational and amazing. And I'm so grateful that we have it uh, today in the house. And then to hear God's voice, uh, Pastor uh, Dick, Brother Dick used to teach for weeks before we would have a prophetic assembly. He wanted the people to know that when we had a prophetic assembly that each one uh, could hear from God themselves, not only in one service or a few services, one uh, week a year, but 
every week, every day uh, of the year. So he taught us how to hear the voice of God. And he uh, taught us, you know, how to, he taught us in the gifts of the spirit, to be quite honest, how to function in the gifts of the spirit. And I'm so grateful uh, for that which he taught us and that he put into the root system of the church. That's so awesome. You know, I, I just think there's, there's so many truths. I mean, we could sit here for hours just talking about all of these truths, you know, and I think of team ministry and missions and planting churches and everything that he's done. But I think one that's uh, really important, I think we should just at least talk about one last one, is his uh, conviction for the Word of God. Uh, we as a church still today believe that the Bible is 100% infallible Word of God. Regardless of what society says, regardless of what culture is doing, we believe that God's word transcends it all. Can I hear an amen? Every campus, we believe the word is true. So much so, you know, when we named the church way back when Bible Temple, it's because we wanted to make sure that even Bible was in our name. When we changed our name to City Bible Church in the late 90s, we made sure that the word Bible remained because that was so important to us. And, um, Lanny, again, this is, this is such a huge area for you. You've given your life uh, to studying and teaching the Word. Just share, you know, how did this impact your life and how should it impact every person here? I know where cultures shifted and changed and you have such a passion for this. And maybe just share a thought or two with, with the congregation around this area. I grew up in church and I heard a lot of sermons, but it didn't always appear as though the pastor always believed what he was preaching. And when I came here, I learned something from Brother Dick, and it's, it's a scripture in the Bible that says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, which simply said means this, there's no faith if the word's not there. And so Brother Dick knew that anytime he was gonna lead this church into any area, he had to plow the field with the word of God. He had to plant the seeds in the heart of the people because you teach people into the reality of what's there. And he believed this so much that he began to staff the church with young teachers. Uh, he saw the need and he knew he needed more teachers than he was able to do. So he brought in a Dave Blomgren with multiple doctorate degrees. He brought in a Bob Stricker with a master's degree. He brought in Ken and Wendell and, and, and you know Bill Scheidler coming out of uh, Lutheran Seminary. Why? Because teaching the word as many different platforms as we could, we have to prepare the people in it. And out of that came PBC and all that. And, and you folks may not realize what a challenge it is for one local church to man a Bible college for 50 years. The financial outlay, the staff outlay, we are an anomaly. Bible colleges and local churches do not last 50 years. Right. I see it was part of a vision. And if we took a poll on how many of our leaders and even how many of you have been blessed by the college here, the ministry of the word, the series that Dick did. He did a year on Romans, he did a year on the life of David. And we go back, he just keeps planting that in there. And, and we know this, if we're gonna proceed as a church, if we're gonna move on as a church in faith, and we can only move on the foundation of the word of God, and faith comes by that hearing. That's right. Well, come on, that's worthy of uh, some praise. Hey, you know, I, I, I do want to uh, just say to the entire church family, you know, I think we have the best Bible college on planet Earth with some of the best teachers, and it's your Bible college. And uh, here's the beautiful thing is that it's online, and any one of you can sign up and start a degree and working through, and you'll be uh, very, very surprised at the, the wisdom and the knowledge uh, that's in that school, and just want to make that plug. But lastly, Art, what about you? I, again, you were impacted, and your whole life's been transformed by the teaching and by God's word. And we've got lots of new people and lots of different campuses with new people. Just share a thought about how that impacted your life and maybe something they can take away. Sure. Well, growing up in the church and then becoming an adult in the church, being a young adult, getting married in the church, knowing the integrity of the leadership of the church was probably one of the greatest things that I take away from Pastor Iverson. He was a man of integrity. Integrity was... It goes side by side, Dick Integrity Iverson. Uh, I never had to question what he was leading us into. Uh, we would sit around the table as a youngster, and, and mom and dad would talk about, what did you think about the service this Sunday? And, and all of my growing up years, I heard, well, 
Brother Dick is just teaching the Word. It's Bible. If it's Bible, we can believe it. If it's Brother Dick's teaching, we can trust him because he, he doesn't stray from the Bible. And so I grew up with a confidence that my teachers were men of God, women of God, people who would lead us with integrity. And I've watched other churches, and I've been a part of a couple of other churches, and I've seen that without integrity, things begin to crumble, things begin to fall apart. But that's something that you can carry on in your life as an individual, as a family, as a church, that integrity, right. confidence in the Word of God, trust the Word of God, trust God, and that will take you in good stead into the future. Brother Dick is not a great, the greatest orator. He's not the most learned man, meaning he didn't have degrees, but he had a confidence that the Word of God had everything right. that was That's necessary right. for life and for godliness, and that God would honor his Word, right. and that when it says something, God would do it. Right. When the Word says something, God will perform his Word. Right. We just have to know the Word and so good. put it into practice. And if we do, God honors his word, and God will honor you in doing that. Be a person of the word. Learn the word. Practice the word. And operate in the word. Not your own interpretation of it, but what's the Bible say about it? That's why we need the Bible school. That's why we need teachers. That's why we need theologians. But what does the word of God teach us? And then be faithful to that. Devour the Word of God, fellowship together with other believers, praise God, because in praising God, another scripture that goes along with what Howard was saying is that in Corinthians, but we all with open face, beholding as in a mirror, are changed from glory to glory. What's that mean? As we praise God, as we lift our hands and worship God, we're beholding Him and we're looking into Him and we become like that which we worship. Brother Dick taught us, you want to become like God, then you worship God. You want to become like God, lift your hands and make him the focus of your life. And praise God, and God will change you, and you'll become more and more like God. Little by little, line upon line, it doesn't happen just instantaneously most of the time, but it happens little by little, line upon line, precept on precept. You be faithful in the things that God's taught you, and God will honor you, and he'll make your life prosperous. That's awesome. That's awesome. You know, um, Pastor Mark, I know we're about to bring this to a close. I've been thinking a lot today about how do you honor your father? And obviously, Brother Dick being our spiritual father, and all of us that are here, and Rocky Butte, all our campuses, everyone watching online, you know, he's... In the Bible, the word father, grandfather, great-grandfather, it's all the same word. So however many spiritual, you know, down the line generations you are, everyone has been touched by this man because this church wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him and for the legacy he's leaving. So we're kind of all his kids. So how do we honor our father? And I think one of the main ways that we can honor Pastor Iverson that would mean the most to him is he's now one of those people cheering us on, is that we would carry on the values that the Lord birthed in this family through his leadership. And you've been hearing some of these, there's others. But I think today, if we were just all to commit ourselves and say, we're gonna honor our Father. We're gonna get into prayer. We're gonna get into worship. We're gonna believe in the prophetic. We're gonna really honor the Bible in our life. We're gonna really prioritize our family. We're gonna love the house of God. Dream team time, I'm gonna be there to serve. One of his favorite sayings, what I'm part of is more important than the part I play. You know, it's like all of these values have been inculcated into uh, our family. I I think we honor him by carrying on that DNA. That's so good. It's a great charge. You know, I I do think that this has been uh, more than just a, uh, a time of reflection about the life of a great man. This is really an opportunity for us as a church family, every campus, every person, to really make a decision whether we want to carry on the legacy that this man imparted to us. We're not just here to gather people and to do Sunday morning services so people can attend. We're here to make a difference in the life of this world. And so my prayer for every single one of you as your lead pastor is, is that you'd have a takeaway from today, as Ken was just talking, that Maybe today what you need to do is think about your marriage or think about your parenting. 
that you heard Lanny or Glenda talk about that. Maybe, maybe you need to get into the word more, pray more, worship with your whole heart, or maybe even the house of God. Say, hey, I'm going to start coming to church every weekend. I, I think that those are the things that God wants us to take forward. And so whatever that might be, it's going to be different to every person here, but let's be a church that continues to build the legacy that Brother Dick started and desires uh, us to continue. Can I hear an amen? Let, let's, let's go ahead and do one last thing before we close. Is um, I think it would be appropriate, if you, if you wouldn't mind on every campus standing to your feet. And as I had mentioned that uh, his wife, Roxy, all of the family, they're watching online right now. I think it would be appropriate for us to gather all campuses and to pray for this family. Uh, for us, the grief is far less than what they're experiencing today. And although they're celebrating and they have faith and they believe in the sovereignty of God, they lost a dad, they lost a husband. So as a family, would you do me a favor? Would you just bow your head and agree with me and let's pray together for the Iverson family at this time. Lord, we want to stop and thank you. Lord, for this beautiful family that has literally sacrificed and given their entire life to build this house. Lord, we recognize the dedication. God, we see the cost. Lord, we understand maybe to a certain degree even the pain uh, that they're even feeling, the sense of loss that they would have today. But Lord, even as we look at your word, you said, God, that you would give us a peace that surpasses all understanding and that it would rule our hearts and our minds. Lord, you said that in your presence, there's fullness of joy. And Lord, we pray right now for the Iverson family. Lord, we pray that you would flood that living room even right now with the glory of God. You would come and strengthen and refresh. Come and be around Roxy at this moment, God, with the loss of her husband. And Lord, we're praying that you will come and fill every void and every gap, Lord, with the children and the grandchildren and the great-grandchildren. Lord, we pray a special mantle upon them that they would be able to continue, Father, to extend your kingdom. Lord, we give you all the glory. God, be upon our house. Lord, we're believing you that you're going to use this as a launching pad into a new dimension for us as a family. God, let us leave here today celebrating our legacy and all that you want to do in us. We ask these things in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, one more time. Give Jesus one big shout today. Amen. Amen. Can we do one last thing? I remember sitting in the room and, and singing that song, I Exalt Thee, just a few of us that couldn't stay on key. <laughs> singing over Brother Dick and just watching a little smile on his face. I think it'd be appropriate to seal this day with singing one more time, I Exalt Thee, together. Let's sing this song together.
I know if Brother Dick was here this morning, he would, he would want to make sure that every person was right with God. There's always people that come into our service that are on a journey. They're searching. They're trying to figure out their life, whether God's real, how to figure out their problems. There's people online right now that are listening all over the world. There's one thing that I hope you picked up today is that God loves you. God cares for you. God will never leave or forsake you. He desires to come into your world and your life. Not only help you get a new start and forgive you of all your sins, but he wants to fill you fresh with hope and remove all your shame and pain. He wants to put you into a family such as this so that you could have a new start, new identity, new life. And it's really simply just responding to the fact that you need him. And so I just want to give an opportunity. Every head is bowed and eyes are closed. And just, if that's you, this is just a real private moment. But for you just to lift your hand and say, Pastor Mark, that's me. I, I need to get my life right with God today. If that's you, just, just slip your hand up. Thank you so much. Just hand up. It's that simple saying, Jesus, I need you today. Thank you. Thank you so much. Anyone else? Just put your hand up and wave at me. Thank you, Lord. Someone in the back there. Thank you. Back over here. Way over here in the back. Thank you so much. I see your hand. You know, the Bible says all the angels in heaven rejoice when a soul is saved. Brother Dick's up there rejoicing with you today. Church family, would you pray with me for these people today? Lord, we thank you for, Lord, these hands today that are simply saying, God, I need you. Lord, you meet them right where they're at. Forgive them of their sin. Come and fill their life with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we pray today, God, as they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that you are Lord, that you would just give them the promise, God, that today is a new day. And Lord, that they're truly born again in you. We give you the praise. Mont City Bible Church family, put your hands together for all these people. It's awesome. Those of you that prayed online, we love that. It's awesome.